Okay guys, so this episode is actually very, very, very special to me. It is probably one of the most candid, open, honest, transparent, all those great words, um, conversations I've ever had the privilege and on, you know, honor of having. So I really want, hope you guys will want and hope you guys listen to this very um, carefully and really take away something from it. Or, you know, if you have something to add, I can't wait to hear your thoughts. Um, but I wanted to take a minute and I want to shout out because our anniversary is coming up. Uh, Skincare Anarchy LLC will officially be one year old on the 20th, which is uh, this Saturday. And I have a very special episode uh, planned for you guys that will be released that day. But, um, you know, I really want to take a minute and I want to thank every single woman, man, individual um, from, you know, either a person of color or somebody from a background that really has never been represented properly, you know, um, everyone who has come onto our show. Um, obviously, I think every single human being that has come onto our show, you guys are phenomenal people. You are the reason we are here. But um, just to name a few, I want to thank Sarah Wu as one of the first editors to ever give us a chance. Um, Sarah, you're amazing and um, your support means the world. Uh, Marianne Michalski, uh, who is a freelance beauty editor and copywriter. Uh, Marianne, you're amazing as well. Um, uh, Dr. Lara Davegan, I learned so much from you. You are truly a pioneer in medicine and surgery, and I'm, uh, you know, I I've been so honored to interview you. Um, Rushi Roy, founder of Avrani Skin. Um, you have a beautiful brand, Rushi, and I love the work that you're doing. Thank you for being one of the first brands to come onto our show and giving us a shot. Um, you know, uh, Faith Cummings, who is a copywriter, editor, um, journalist. Faith supports every single post we ever make. Um, Faith, you are really, truly, um, you know, you, you bring Faith, you know, into my life uh, for our podcast and for the future of Skincare Anarchy. So thank you for everything and all the support you show us every single day. Um, Janelle Hickman, who is also a beauty editor um, and she's a communications uh, strategist. Janelle is an amazing person and she's a really, really talented individual. Um, Christina Rodolfo, who was also another um, editor, and she's, she's the beauty, she was the beauty director of Women's Health at the time when she came onto our show, and now she makes amazing content um, for her audience on you know her social platform, so definitely give her a follow. Um, who else? Kayla Greaves. Oh my gosh, Kayla Greaves, you are truly a star, Kayla, and I um, learned so much from you when I interviewed you, and again, you were one of the first um, you know journalists, and uh, especially an award-winning journalist and beauty editor um, from InStyle Magazine. You're the first to come onto our show, so thank you for all that you taught me and everything that you shared. Um, it was wonderful. Um, Dr. Corey Hartman, you are really really amazing i love your humor i love how you make dermatology so easy to understand um we had a really cool conversation dr hartman and i and um you know i just i really adore your work and i and i'm a huge supporter of you as a medical professional and a colleague and you know so thank you for the opportunity to interview you uh, Jui Wong, uh, Jui, you are an inspiration. Um, you really are somebody I, I think is a leader in this industry. I think the, the, the work you've done and the things you're creating are truly extraordinary. So thank you, Jui, uh, of Olaplex. She's the CEO of Olaplex and she was one of our very early guests. Um, you know, also, uh, Jennifer Norman, who is the founder of the human beauty movement. Jennifer is one of the kindest individuals I've ever met. The work she's doing is truly phenomenal. It's so meaningful. Uh, thank you, Jennifer, for coming onto our show so early on. Um, Dr. Uh, the Hubble Banusali, uh, love your work. Obviously, um, you are also the closest to a GQ model that I've ever seen in the medical world. Uh, especially as an Indian male. I love it. I love all your posts. You are so cool um, and definitely so brilliant. So, um, you know, everyone, if you need, you know, go follow him. He's amazing. He's a laser surgeon and dermatologist, also one of our very early guests. Um, uh, Jenny Jin, who was the beauty director at Pure Wow at the time. Uh, also, I want to highlight Dr. Sybil Val, who is a plastic and reconstructive surgeon. She is one of the very few black women in surgery that we have in the medical field um, as of now, and she's truly a pioneer in so many different ways. Uh, Safat and Niche from uh, Arai, you guys have just such the most beautiful products, and your products are really meaningful, and they actually work. For those of you who have clinical anxiety, I really, really suggest uh, investing in um, Array. You know, Array is the correct way to pronounce it, and it's, it's a beautiful brand. Um, you know, who else? Uh, obviously, you know, 
one of my favorite brand, um, you know, Neod's uh, chief uh, scientific officer, Prithvi Kaka. Prithvi, you are truly brilliant and your conversation left me with so many questions and so many answers. So thank you for the honor of coming onto the show. Um, Vade Chan, who is a phenomenal makeup artist. He is uh, really, really uh, just very talented and very innovative with the way that he does makeup and he's very um, detailed with his approach. So thank you for um, coming onto the show early on as well. Um, you know, this, this list is very long, guys, but I, I really have to do this because it's so important for me to highlight each person who has given us a shot. And all of these individuals are extraordinary people. Um, so anyways, moving on, Ron Robinson. Ron, I absolutely adore you. You are brilliant. You are truly a genius. Um, chemistry is a very difficult field, and Ron is truly a master. I recently actually quoted Ron on our recent uh, informative post about vitamin C because he was kind enough to give me some comments about anhydrous versus aqueous uh, formulations. So thank you, Ron, for everything, for coming onto the show. I can't wait to have you back. I love everything you're doing. I'm so proud of the success Beauty Stat has had. You deserve every second of it. Um, Kia James, uh, CEO of uh, you know Tailored Beauty, um, and she's also an entrepreneur, and she's just wonderful. She's a, she's a star, like a YouTube star, and she's uh, a guru to so many young women out there, young men out there that really want to understand how to do their makeup or beauty routines. And, you know, it's really important for us to have people like Kia because there's not enough people representing, um, you know, just the younger generation that really wants to learn about themselves and how to make themselves feel better. Also, of course, of course, one of my favorite people ever, Heidi Brown. Heidi, you are such a star. You are so kind and so just extraordinary. I absolutely adore Heidi. She is the CEO and editor-in-chief of Brilliance by Brown, which is a phenomenal publication and website. You guys, if you have not checked it out, please go and check it out. Heidi and her team do such an amazing job of highlighting um, brands and products that really work for, um, you know, melanin-rich skin and are just genuinely just products everyone can use. So definitely, definitely go check them out. Um, Anissa Telwar, thank you so much. Anissa Beauty is amazing. The brushes are phenomenal. Lori King of uh, of Care Beauty, she is, Lori is amazing. Lori is genuinely, she's a leader and so is Celeste, who's, they're both co-founders for Care Beauty. Um, Cora Miller of Young King Hair Care, I love that, I love Cora because she's created a brand um, that is truly filling a white space for um, young, you know, young boys that uh, of color that need specific hair products. You know, you can't use the same hair products um, for all, all hair. So I love what Cora's created. She's, you know, a rock star in her own niche. Um, you know, so many people, right? Uh, Tisha Thompson, oh my God, LYS Beauty is one of my favorite brands. I'm absolutely obsessed with it. Um, you know, every product they make is beautiful. It makes your skin glow. It makes you feel so beautiful and radiant. And I wish, Tisha, that your brand existed when I was growing up as a teenager because, wow, even my mom loves your brand, by the way. Huge shout out. <laughs> um, also, Land Belinky, thank you so much. Bosha is such an extraordinary brand. It is one of my favorite, all-time favorite brands. Um, you are truly a leader in this industry and your work is phenomenal. And Bosha continues to just make the most amazing product. So thank you. Um, Sahar and Sahar of of uh, sundry so i love your brand i love sundry it's a beautiful brand um and i just i love everything you guys are doing so never stop um andrea lisbona who is the founder and ceo of touchland her work is wonderful touchland is such a great company they do so much charity work they contribute so much uh to the community that you know they're really catered to so i, I really really appreciate you guys uh, Camilla Pierotti, who is the founder, founding partner of Sol de Janeiro, and she is just amazing. So, uh, Camilla, thank you again for coming on to the show. Ricardo and Pilar, um, you know, you guys are just phenomenal. Ricardo and Pilar Indero are the co-founders of Care Beauty, C-A-R-E, period, beauty. Um, and, you know, they're just phenomenal people. They were some of the first to support us. Um, they always support us. They're always behind what we do, and they're, it's just, it means the world to us. So thank you so much. Um, Chris Young and, uh, uh, Chris Young came onto our show, but uh, also his um, his partner in the company, Gina Kim. They are uh, both co-founders of uh, this amazing company called Circumference. The beautiful line Circumference is really, really just, it's such a gentle line, but it's so effective. So definitely go check that out if you're looking for a new skincare uh, product to dive into. Um, you know, just, there are just so many people, you guys, um, that I love, and they, every single one of them is just, it's, they're phenomenal. Um, also, Ziad Haloub, uh, you are the founder of Separate Club Skincare. Separate Club Skincare, you guys, is one of the best up-and-coming lines. It is truly a beautiful, beautiful line. Ziad has really put in so much culture, knowledge, and innovation into th these products. So, huge shout-out uh, to the whole team. Um, you know, I just, the main thing that I'm trying to do here is just, you know, really let you guys know that this industry is founded on a principle of, you know, 
have everyone included, right? And some of the people that are working in this industry to make that happen um, have given me the immense honor of coming out to Skincare Anarchy. So just to round up um, my shout outs, uh, Kyoko Getz, you are so kind. You are so wonderful. Probably one of the nicest people I've ever met. Also extremely knowledgeable. She is a true veteran in, in the skin health space as an esthetician. She's a master of her craft. Um, so definitely go check out Allura Skincare. Um, Simran Kalra, you she's the founder of Haldi. Haldi is a platform that is basically e-commerce for skincare brands that really work and they make you go through an algorithm and it really matches you up with some of the most amazing products that you can use for your skin. Uh, Janelle Haley of Olika and Terrasana. Janelle, you are such a wealth of knowledge. I absolutely loved interviewing you for the Clean Beauty panel. You really, really shed so much light on so many topics that really needed to be discussed. So, you know, just as a roundup, guys, um, you know, thank you so much to everyone I mentioned and everyone else I didn't get to mention. Um, every single person, we have published over 220 episodes at this point in less than a year. Um, you know, every single person that's come onto our show, you are a standout human being. I do not invite people onto the show that I don't believe in. I just don't. It's, it's not in my DNA. It's not what I believe in. Um, you know, I just, I can't do it. So every single person, thank you so much. Um, the brands like, you know, Revlon and Victoria Beckham Beauty and uh, Skinceuticals and uh, Jillian uh, Gorman Round of uh, Key Rice and, you know, just so many extraordinary brands and people have come and um, honored us. You know, Carmen Tall of Moroccan Oil, just, you know, Ray Morris. Like, I can't even, you know, I, I'm not going to go through my whole list, but you guys get the point. Thank you so much. Um, and I am just so honored, so humbled, and I can't believe it's already been a year, but we have grown so fast and I love how we are continuing to grow. Um, thank you to all of the PR executives out there that reach out to us and give us these opportunities. I can't thank you enough. You guys really keep the show going for us. And yeah, you know, we're doing great, guys. We have uh, reached a point where we are now having over 9,000 uh, downloads per week for the show. Um, it's growing every day, and I can't believe it because when I started the show, it was just literally like nobody <laughs> you know it was uh maybe like five people listening but um it, it's crazy and i love it and I, and I couldn't have done it without all of the amazing guests really you guys are the reason that we have all these people coming on so thank you so much and everyone who's listened to me rant now for uh quite some time it's been uh, about 15 minutes thank you for listening to all that and i really mean it you know when i say thank you and i wanted to preface this episode because this episode is really amazing um karen has given me the opportunity to share a lot of really really important information with the audience here and i can't thank her enough so uh stay tuned and just you know take what you can from this episode thanks guys guys welcome back to skincare anarchy and i have the best guest ever today for you guys i have been truly following her work her just real impact in this industry for um a few months now and i'm just so honored so grateful that she had the time to come on to our show especially with the holidays coming up so without further ado i want to introduce you guys to karen chambers who is the executive vice president for impala inc and iman cosmetics as well as a board member for cew so welcome to the show uh, karen thank you so much for making the time for this thank you for having me appreciate it Oh, it's such an honor. And I and I really can't wait to talk to you because I have been just, you know, dying to get your perspective and your your, you know, just insights into this industry, especially from the angle of inclusion and diversity. So but I want to start off, I want to actually talk about you first and um, your career journey, because I know you've um, you've done some fantastic things in your career. And I'd love for you to kind of go back into memory lane and walk us through all of that if you could. Oh, sure. It's been a lot of years, like decades of, of being <laughs> in. <laughs> when I stop and think about it, I feel so youthful certain days and I'm like, oh my goodness, wow, it's been a long time. But I, I just have had an incredible, incredible career um, before even the industry was talking about inclusivity and multiculturalism. I really had the, the, the good fortune of starting out 
very, very early, even right outside of college, uh, working on brands and, and working on initiatives that really centered women of color in the beauty industry. And I, 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 I majored in communication in college, but I always had like this passion for beauty. And it really came from a personal place because, you know, at the time kind of growing up uh, in the 70s, 80s, um, there, there really wasn't a lot as far as uh, inspiration um, for people who looked like me. And I, I personally had you know, my own journey with beauty and with, with trying to find the right products, et cetera, and things that, that worked for me when I was younger and just really never found them. And so I was really, really fortunate early on to get involved with, with, with brands like uh, Flory Roberts, which was a, a, a brand that was run a long time ago, uh, that, that was really centering women of color and where I got an opportunity to just get my hands wet in all facets of the industry, working on shades and colors and campaigns and working with models and copy and all that in ways that were very affirming uh, for myself and, and affirming for other women who, who looked like me. And so it, I, I've been super fortunate to throughout most of my career to have been able to work on inclusive brands again even before that was the, the general conversation in the industry and to have really grown up uh really cutting my teeth uh working with 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 those type of brands and those type of experiences so it's it's been a lot of years and a, and a lot of growth and to uh be able to to come out at this place uh, in, in, in 2021 with the industry emerging as much as it is around this conversation, it's, it feels very fortunate. It feels very fortunate. Yeah, well, we are fortunate to have you here, you know, in, in this industry. I mean, we need, we need this perspective. And I love that you mentioned that you've been, you know, from the beginning, you've been dedicated to this and you've really, you know, um, had this at the center of your career because, you know, there's not a lot of people who can say that. And, you know, I, I just... I, I know that the word inclusion and the word diversity is thrown around so much these days that it really, for me, it makes me wonder, you know what I mean? Like in terms of like, well, where's the real work, you know, where, who's doing the real work. And like, so, you know, just listening to you go through that, like, it, it, it's just an example of if you're, if you're actually somebody who's genuinely dedicated to diversity and inclusion like you better have a portfolio similar to Karen's because <laughs> you know like it's it's pretty easy to see through the bs if you ask me you know if, if it's not um but yeah I really um I really want to actually ask you too is like you know when you after all that experience and just seeing um all the growth in the industry all the changes in the industry you know how, what's your perspective now like you know at this point when you look at um, inclusion and diversity as in an overall umbrella topic, you know, for the beauty industry? I feel like we're, we're in the middle. I feel like we're in the middle. And I think that it's important for people to recognize that this is not a one and done. And, and this, this can't be something that we perceive as a trend. You know, our industry uh, for, for many, many years has just simply been about what's kind of on the surface, you know, what's the latest color story, what's the latest buzzword, et cetera. And I think that when we're talking about people's lives and their lived experiences and their cultures, it has to be far more than just, we've got 50 shades, we've got a hundred shades, look what we did, let's pat ourselves on the back. The, to me, no matter what we're selling, um, if you're in some kind of a commercial enterprise 
and you're not looking at people, you're not looking at human beings, then you're really missing the mark. And I think that, you know, with with the stage we're in now between the pandemic and all of um, the the, the racial awareness and awakenings that, that have happened over the past couple of years, I think consumers are telling us that, you know, our, our, our lives are not segmented anymore. What, you know, we're, we're working from home, we're integrating, you know, how people raise their children and then they've got to be on a Zoom meeting and that, you know, all of these things have all converged together. And so, you know, I bring that up because if we're not looking at what is the real lived experiences of our consumers, like what's she thinking about, what's important to her, then we're missing the mark. And, and what, one of the things that I recognized, particularly when the pandemic hit, we were going through so many different um, emotional and political and social things in the world. Um, one of the things that, that we did at Amal was just to stop and, and, and take a look, like right after everybody went into quarantine, and say, yeah. what are we, what are we going to be talking about as a brand right now? Like, it just wasn't the time to say, oh, let's just launch something sparkly. It's like, no, our, our, our consumers are, are traumatized. Like everyone's traumatized. And so to, to separate out our true feelings about life and the realities of life and just say, let's just do make-believe, uh, would have been really, really tone deaf. And so I think um, brands just really have to just start to look at, look at who, look at who works for their company, you know, look around, Uh, you know, are are our own people happy? Do they, do they feel engaged with the brands they're working on? Um, You know, what are our, our consumers saying? All you've got to do nowadays, we used to have to buy really ginormous, um, reports about consumer uh, insights. Well, now all, all we have to do is really go to our Instagram page and go, oh, they're saying this and they're saying that. And, and, and so I think what I'm, what I'm getting to is that um, if we're not taking a look at realities as in terms of how people live and how they feel and how they think, then we're completely missing the mark. And so I, I, I've been really grateful to have had the opportunity between what I've done in my day-to-day brand work and, and, and what I've had the opportunity to be working on over the past couple of years with CW is to really take a look at what do people think and feel and how does that impact um, what they do in relation to this industry and how can we be uh, better partners with our consumers around these real life issues. So that, that's yeah. really my take on it. Yeah. I love that. And I love, um, so you, you touched on so many topics that I very rarely hear, you know, anyone really discuss. And I think these are very, so crucial, you know, and so um, center point, you know, just like you said, because, for example, you mentioned the culture aspect. And I really resonate with that because I think um, whenever I look at brands that are quote unquote inclusive, it's like you said, it's like, oh, we've got 70 rain shades of foundation. Mm-hmm cool dude now you just made it even worse for me to try and navigate (laughs) you know like what I need and then now I'm doubting my own skin tone because I don't you know what I mean like it just it's almost like it's like a um it's a very fast fix for a very multi-layered problem and also the culture aspect I wanted to say um I really love that you said that because you know as a, a fellow woman of color as, as someone who, you know, I, I really, really um, relate to what you said in terms of like, you know, for beauty, like for me, it was very similar. I mean, obviously, you know, different time frame, but I never found anything that really resonated with me growing up either. Mm-hmm. And I, and I can tell you that it would have been pretty cool to see a brand 
that was not only making my shade, but also mm -hmm. keeping in mind things that come with my skin tone. Like, right. for example, I come from a, you know, a conservative family, you know, being mm -hmm. Indian, Indian parents are very strict. So keeping in mind, I'm not going to wear that full face of makeup. You know what I mean? Right. I need something that's going to be, um, you know, more natural looking, but still makes me feel beautiful. So those are aspects that I think have to be incorporated, you know, just like you mentioned from a cultural standpoint. So um, I really love that. I really, really love that piece um, out of everything that you just shared, because it's something that I don't see anyone doing really. And you know what, if I can add something to that, you know, yeah. and we've also got to not be afraid to make mistakes and to get in and, and like you mentioned, really doing the work. I think I was thinking back the other day, uh, you know, I, I, I just finished a, 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 a certification with Yale in, in, in inclusivity and diversity. And one of the things that we had to do, and this is always the tough thing, is to our, assess ourselves and our own biases. Now, yeah. as you mentioned, as a woman of color, I could very easily be very arrogant about that and go, well, no, you know what, this is my lived experience. Of course, I'm not biased. But I think back to, um, to, to projects I've worked on many, many years ago, when I was taking some of the, the, the findings I had around African-American women, for example, and applying them to Latinas. Yeah. And I had worked on, not at the Amon brand, but years ago, I had worked on a brand that, that has since very much gone away. And I understand now in, in retrospect why, because I was utilizing the same data for one group that, that, that you know, should have been fine-tuned for another group with multi-layered cultural um, understandings that yeah. needed yeah. to have some, some research and some homework and had those women in the conversation with me before we ever put out a single product. And I, and I look back now and, 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 and I can admit to this because it's important for us to be able to say when we've gotten it wrong. And yeah. that's how we learn. And, and, and so I think it's, it's super important what you, what you just mentioned, even about your own culture. That is so paramount because beauty is just not a one and done. And it's not just a matter of what matches. It's a matter of what fits within that woman's lifestyle, within her family, you know, and, and, and if we're not willing to peel back some of those layers a little bit, you know, we don't have to be a sociologist, but, but to peel back some of those layers to really understand and care about our consumers, then we're liable to get it wrong. And the thing is, if we get it wrong, are we willing to do the homework to get it right? And I think that's the thing. And when companies um, or anyone becomes arrogant about this, this subject matter, uh, that, that's just a, a setup for failure all the way around. So I, I believe in staying, staying curious. That's, that's one of my favorite slogans for myself is stay curious. I love that. I'm stealing that, by the way. I love that. Go Stay for curious. it. You can. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. No, I completely agree. And, you know, I, it's like, it, for me, you know, I just want to focus uh, for a second on Iman Cosmetics, because honestly, for me, I can honest, I can definitely, definitely say that, like, it has been one of, if not the hallmark brand in terms of inclusivity for me. You know, when I look at Iman Cosmetics, immediately, I think, this is something that I can relate to. This is something, this is a place I can go to for my concerns, my beauty needs, and I'm going to fit in. 
I'm going to be, you know, accepted that idea. You know what I mean? So like, Mm -hmm. I know that you've had such an integral role, you know, that you've played in the, you know, the whole brand. And I would love for you to talk a little bit more about your work with them on and, and, you know, just uh, really uh, that journey for you, what it's been like, and, um, and maybe give us some examples of some projects you've really enjoyed or, you know, anything that you want, you want to share. Sure. Well, well, first, I remember I was working for a competitor when Iman first launched the brand. And I remember sitting at my desk in Chicago and going, oh, my God, she's about to wipe every other brand, including mine, out of the water. (laughs) Like, we're in trouble now because it was so innovative. We hadn't seen brands talking about multiculturalism. We had seen brands that were targeting black women, wonderful, amazing, all those heritage brands, we love them and appreciate them. Um, and, and then we had seen, you know, some general market brands again, beginning to add a few darker shades at that time. But this was the first time that the industry had seen a brand go, we are really looking at inclusivity, not looking at a person's race, but looking at their skin tone in relation to respecting their culture. And we are always, always going to have models of various backgrounds, nationalities, even age ranges um, included in the messaging and included in the product development. So it was a thrill, I think it was about 15 years ago when I came to work on the brand and I started on the product development side and then became marketing director and then um, recently the past uh, three or so years as as executive vice president. But that whole journey was just really remarkable and, and really learning from Iman herself, number one, just having the confidence to, uh, at a time when the industry really needed a lot of education, uh, being willing to be in that uncomfortable place and taking even buyers through uh, being in an uncomfortable place, you know, with with new languaging, with new attitudes uh, and, and, and new introductions towards the industry, you know, being adamant, hey, we don't want to necessarily be in some segmented part of the department store. You know, it's important for this brand to be in a space that's inclusive because at the time, inclusivity, again, wasn't, wasn't being discussed. And, and so some of my most exciting initiatives have been, number one, being able to take things on the market like, um, like mineral makeup and, and, and BB creams and CC creams when they launched. And initially, those, those launches within the industry did a lousy job when it came to having great shade ranges and, and formulations that worked for women with skin of color. And so being oh my God, able I remember to that. dive I remember in, that. oh my goodness, it was like, whoa. White cast, white uh, cast everywhere. Yes, you know, you absolutely yeah. know. That's exactly mm-hmm. what it was with a lot of the mineral makeup and people love, like, oh my God, that's natural, it's minerals. And then they put it on their skin and go, well, wait a minute, this looks horrible. You know, or even dealing with SPFs or, uh, you know, a lot of, if you use, if you use the wrong type of SPFs, SPF ingredients, you wind up again with that white cast. And similarly, oh, forget it, the first BB creams, um, we know that the, you know, that that initially when they came out on the market, you had maybe a fair and a medium. And so it's like, but our customers were like, well, wait a minute, we are loving this idea of this technology. What's up with not having shades for us? So being able to get in that game and, and work with chemists to 
to at pushing them. We had to push them to be like, oh no, no, you're going to get there. We are getting there together to be able yeah. to uh, modify and 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 really start from scratch to create uh, those types of products because all this range of women across the globe deserve to have all the latest formulations and technologies that work for their skin tone and skin type. And we can get there, but it, we have to prioritize it. And I think that that's uh, one of the things that, you know, has been so beautiful over the years working with Iman is that this, this consumer is the priority. She didn't, it wasn't like a last minute thought, not an afterthought. She was the first thought. And so, and that really changes things. Um, and, and then, you know, just having, it's, it's very odd or not odd necessarily, but when your founder and your CEO is also an end user, it shifts the culture of the organization yeah. and it shifts the perspectives of how we create because there's a vested interest there, you know, and, and, and a lot of times when this customer is just the subject matter and isn't near and dear to the hearts of the people who work there, um, that, that, then, then it's easy to get it wrong. But, but one of the things that, that I can that tell you in all honesty is that almost every single batch that came through that uh, brand um, over those 15 years were tried on me or, or someone else on the team. So we didn't have that distance between, oh yeah, it matches on paper or under a computer or what have you. It's like, no, everything had to make sure that it worked on skin of color from, you know, someone who's like, you know, goldeny and, and medium complected to somebody who was the deepest, richest ebony. And so that was an amazing experience, you know, or has been to be able to, to just be very laser focused on this consumer. So it's, it's been an, an incredibly exciting journey and I'm, and I'm, I'm grateful for it. I love that. I love everything you just shared. And honestly, you know, I can, I can say that, you know, one thing I I've taken away from just, just what you've explained here is that like, um, for brands and this is for everyone listening, if you're an entrepreneur and you want to get into like the, in terms of like, you know, complexion products and stuff like this, this is exactly like, listen to what Karen is saying, because honestly, if you use your products on actual real people, women that want these products, or, you know, even if they're in your company, things like undertone, things like, um, how does it look, you know, five hours later after wear, all of those questions, they just come out and they are answered and they're unfolded right in front of you. You're not going to have to, you know, because here's what I really, I really dislike this, Karen. And I'm, I'm honestly, I don't know if you agree with me, but I'm going to say it like, I really dislike the brands that are like, well, we have a lot of market research to do before we can launch <laughs> 20 more shades. And I'm like, right. uh, no, you, what you need is a door to door salesman to go into the neighborhoods <laughs> of the right. demographics. You know what I mean? Just it's hand somebody a tube of your product. It's about relationships and connecting. There's no way, makeup is such a personal thing. There's no way to do this well and be disconnected from your customer. There, there, you know, it's like, it, it, it was quite simple. If Iman would not wear it herself, it was not getting launched. And, 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 and if we in the office would not wear it ourselves from the accounting department to the, 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 folks in advertising to, you know, to, to customer service, you know, it, it, we, we had to like it and love it. And I think that 
that, that that kind of entrepreneurial spirit, no matter the size of the organization, that kind of connection with the product and with the customer, um, I, I think is pivotal. I think that you said it, you know, their data is a great thing. It's a wonderful thing. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But there comes a point, and I remember um, one of my early, early mentors said, Karen, some people have lipstick in their blood and some people don't. You know, some people have a feel for this thing that you can intuitively know, like, mm, that's not quite right. Like even that shade name, mm, that, 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 that doesn't hit right. Um, and like you mentioned, I started my career, honestly, behind the counter also, you know, I, and I was the girl back all the way in high school who was doing everybody's makeup for the prom and everything else. So the way something laid down on the skin, like you said, how did it look five hours later? Was it shiny? Was it greasy? Was it oily? Did it cover? Did it not? Like those were things that intuitively I knew if it wasn't going to work for me and the people that I knew in real life. You know, and also, and no shade to Instagram and social media, we love it, but also the everyday woman who's walking in the store or going online to get that product, it's also, you know, not sitting in front of a camera with uh, an hour and a half to spend doing like a whole thing, you know, doing, doing yeah. like this and then this layer and add that and that, you know, she wants to look like you mentioned yourself culturally. She wants to look like herself, but just an enhanced version of herself nine times out of 10, because she's going to work. She's going to pick up the kids. She's going to do the things she's doing in her life. And if you're not thinking like a real human being, then yeah. again, like you're, 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 you're losing, like for me, why we're in this industry, why we're doing what we're doing. So for me, that personal connection, never, never, never losing that um, has been pivotal for me. I love that. And I, you know, I actually want to share a story with you because I think this is, I think you're one of the few people on this planet that would understand what I mean <laughs> with this story. It's genuinely like, so I um, immigrated to America at a very young age. I was about four years old when I came here. And one of the first schools I went to, it was literally called, it was the magnet school. It was called Academy of World Languages. And um, it was the first young women of my age group that I met and I connected with because I had no friends you know I barely spoke mm -hmm. English I was learning English and so um the first few women that I connected with were um young black women of my age group and mm -hmm. they showed me what a lip balm is they showed me you remember those little like um lo those little uh like uh, tubs or you know how lip masks now come in them like the little containers yes, I know exactly but they what were, you're talking about yeah yes. <laughs> so those they showed me that and they showed me like you know they would play with my hair they would make me feel so loved and so beautiful and to this day in my heart there's a special place for um you know just black women black culture mm -hmm. everything associated with it because it was the first culture and notice I'm saying culture, you guys. I'm not yes. saying skin shape is the first culture to accept me. And also, I want to say this, and this is the part I think you're going to get, is at one point, I remember I had asked one of my friends from that from that uh, peer group. I was like, well, why don't, why do you guys have anything we can put on our faces? Like, you know, something like, because you're, you're a kid, you see everybody wearing the foundations and all that, you know, mm -hmm. and they were like, you know, they didn't have an answer, even as kids, mm. they didn't have this answer, mm. but they were like, oh, you don't need that. You know, just, just wear the lip gloss and wear the, and you know, Aww. it's almost like they worked around it. And now when I'm grown up and I'm able to look back, that breaks my heart 
that these, yes. these young girls didn't even like it's like they had to it was an adversity that they were overcoming and they weren't even yeah. realizing you know what I mean like that's that is what hurts me when I think about yes. it and I and I really want I, I really want brands to understand that, that 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 is why culture is important that is why because you what you're doing is not just impacting women that are fully grown and now we're in our careers and we're not no you're impacting future generations how they look at themselves what they think they can have and what they think they can go into a store and buy versus not so it's well you hit you hit it yeah you you hit so many important cultural points there and I think that you know when I when I over the years when I've listened to Iman and what her her original uh, impetus behind the brand was was starting out as a model um, in, in, in the fashion industry and having makeup artists ask her, did you bring your own foundation? Like we have nothing for you. And, you know, imagine, you know, you're there with all, you, your, your peers, et cetera, you're going to go on the catwalk and a makeup artist who is supposed to be skilled in how to do, uh, you know, all kinds of different people go, oh, you didn't bring your own. It's, it's that whole thing, you know, now we've got language for it, talking about microaggressions and what you ex- expressed was, was a microaggression that these young women were kind of dealing with in terms of feeling like nobody had something that invested in them in terms of yeah. their beauty. So they kind of, you know, just kind of had to level, level out their own expectations to go, oh, but we, we, you know, we, but we have these bombs. And I think that that is part of what has been a driver for me in, in everything, right down to the models that we select, to the talent, makeup artist, hairstylist, et cetera, is making sure that there's a space for all of these talented people to find their themselves within this industry and be able to be recognized for their talents, um, you know, n- not, a, not as an afterthought or, 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 or what have you, but really that, wow, somebody considered me, my skin tone, my lifestyle, my family, my looks, my talents, et cetera, my culture as being valuable because they are all valuable. And I yeah. have a similar upbringing to yourself. You know, um, I, I was born in Jamaica. My family came to the United States when I was two. So I completely can relate to that, 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 mindset of also being an immigrant and learning the culture, et cetera. And, and also I think that that's been valuable to me because it's, it, uh, I remember Sidney Poitier uh, talking in, in one of his uh, autobiographies where he said, you know, he came from, I think, uh, I think it was the either Bermuda or the Bahamas. And he said that, you know, everyone looked like him in his culture yeah. and then coming to the United States, he's like, it was foreign for him to even understand why people would think less of him or expect him to think less of himself. He's like, I don't understand that. Because when you come from your own culture and the beauty is there within the culture, you know, you're, you're elevated within your own culture and then somebody else uh, thinks less of your culture. It's, 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 it's utterly ridiculous and unfathomable. And I think that, um, that, that that is one of the things I've tried to carry with me is absolutely not all of our cultures are beautiful and, and, and meant to be celebrated. So I'm here for the celebration for all the cultures and all those little black and brown and golden and every other skin tone young, young ladies and young men who are out there who do also deserve to be celebrated. So, you know, I'm here for it and brands and, and, and those of us, you know, who have the, uh, the, the privilege of being in the industry need to be here for that too. That's my personal feeling. I love that. I love that. And I love what you said because you're so 
oh my gosh, you are so like, I feel like we are twin flames genuinely because you really get it. it. You really, really get it. I mean, I had the same conversation. I kid you not with my mother because she was, I was having a really, really tough day, you know? And I, I can tell you, you know, being a woman in medicine, I go in there and I'm not going to lie to you. It's a white male dominated field. Okay. And you go in there and you're seeing a lot of things and there's a lot of, um, you know, I hate to say it, but there's a lot of discrimination that is very much subtle, but it's easy to pick up on if you know you know what I mean mm-hmm. you know you know right mm-hmm. and so like I was having this conversation with her and I just I, I remember it was a day and I, I just felt terrible like I just I felt very down you know just one mm. of those days and my mom was like well why I don't get it you know with you and your your insecurities and especially with like how you look and all this stuff and I looked at my mom and I was like mom you grew up in the country that you're from you were surrounded by a, from a young age till you were grown by women that looked like you, that ha- that were talking the same language as you, that were, you know what I mean, in the same, in, they were immersed mm-hmm. in the same culture as you. So you can't tell, like, it's a very different thing when you are growing up in such a blended uh, country right. and in and geographical location because you have to go through those steps of finding out who am I? How do I fit in and where do I fit in? And that's a really hard thing to do. And we put that on our kids every day. And it's something that, you know, I think, you know, we all deal with. But at the end of the day, the beauty industry, in my eyes, it's it's a place of love. It's a place of acceptance. And we should not never settle for something less than that from this industry. I mean, the hands down, like, period. You know what I mean? Like, there should be no excuses because this is the one place and I always say this is like, it's the one place for me growing up. And I know a lot of women growing up that I felt like I could express myself through some yes. sort of artistry or, you know what I mean? Just some yes. creative way. And we should never have this problem in a, in a space like this. And also like, I want to, I want to get your opinion on this because this is something I've been wanting to talk about is shade names and getting used to seeing dark and very deep shades and naming them in a way mm. that doesn't like elicit emotions. Because honestly, I'm not going to lie to you a lot of, yeah. Okay. A lot of brands out there have added shades. Okay. Right. But right. Some of the names of these, yo, like <laughs> I, I'm sorry, no one who wants to be, you know, I have a lot of, uh, biracial friends and 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 one of them actually a male he's told me he's like I hate when people say I look like how they want their coffee he said that to me he was like I hate that I hate hearing that and that is a real problem like you don't want to name a shade called coffee creamer or whatever the hell you know what I mean like don't because that that makes people feel weird you know what I mean like it's so I want to get your opinion on that like just you know the whole process of like okay you came up with shades but now what are you going to do with them right yes that and and that's a tricky thing and I think that that it again comes back down to who's in the room right because there are certain things when I'd imagine when you're with your friends and with your family right there are things internally that you can say and ways of talking about things that are internal to the culture and that it's okay as far as an internal conversation when we're talking about uh, something as public as a product and a shade name, et cetera, 
it's and something that's going to um, go out to a lot of different types of people. It is absolutely critical and important to think about how that thing is termed so that, you know, we're not accidentally offending someone. I will never forget working on a brand. I won't say the brand name. <laughs> um, and, and, and I inherited the brand. I came on board. It had already been a, a very mature brand. And uh, the, the previous brand manager had, had come up with some concepts for a, um, a campaign. And one of the shades was called Monkey Shine of a lipstick. Oh my God. I kid you not. Now, I went to the dictionary and Monkey Shine means something very different. I think, I don't know if it means exuberance. Or whatever. I don't remember what it means. It means something very different from how it sounded. But I knew that if we launch a campaign with a shade called Monkey Shine, the feedback we would get would be rich and, and who wants to wear that? So this person, unfortunately, you know, whatever the theme of the campaign, the, the, the term in its literal meaning fit into the theme, but that just showed a lack of cultural awareness for the brand. That's she was called working being on. retarded, Karen. That's like <laughs> literally, I'm sorry. I, 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 we I'm can't say that here. word anymore either. Wait, I learned from my class. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know that we're not supposed to use the word retarded anymore. I get it. You know, medical right. books have told us we're not, even as yes. doctors, but for real, that's retarded. Like that's, I mean, honestly, if you can't understand that the word monkey has been used in <laughs> multiple racial slurs and multiple terrible, terrible ways of putting, you know, like this, incredible adversity on people you are completely clueless and you need to reevaluate your life because that's just right? unacceptable yeah <laughs> exactly that's crazy but, that's crazy yeah this is this is you know this is this is how this is how deep some of this goes and and i would imagine this person i don't i don't know who who she was but she may be a lovely person etc cetera, etc cetera. uh but it just was a lack of investing some time and some thought into what am I doing and how's that going to impact that person? So getting back to your original question about shade names, you know, I think, okay, now you're about to get me into a deep conversation. I don't know if we're going there or not, yes. but let's talk, about, let's, let's talk about colorism because we know both yes. of our cultures struggle yes. with this, right? Yeah. So, so it, is, it is a challenge to make sure that we are dealing with sensitive topics that are sensitive for folks and in and of itself light and dark are neutral terms but we know that there's there there are cultural implications attached to these things that have to do with hierarchy you know because of western society i mean let's face it and so when we're dealing so for example uh when when you know even prior to me arriving at Iman, you know, the decisions were made to categorize the uh, shade ranges for the brand into sand, clay, and earth versus light, medium, and dark. So her mm. thought process was about the earth. What are things that relate to the earth? And, and, and that is something that we can all have a healthy respect for. And so within that, I think it, it, it deflated some of the feelings around lightness and darkness, lightness and darkness and what all of that means. And so, you know, that's, but that always stays in the forefront of my mind is 
what does that end user feel? Number one, I want her to celebrate her deep skin tone. If she is a deep ebony chocolate, again, you know, I'm sorry for the guy who had a problem with the coffee, but I, I, yeah. I, I'm, a, I'm a foodie. Chocolate so is fine. Chocolate me love. Right? The chocolate. <laughs> you know, she's deep chocolate. I want her and to celebrate that deep chocolateness. And I think that now we're evolving into a space where, the, where our culture is saying, wait a minute, lighter is not better. You know, and, and let's yeah. dismiss any of those ideas that put something negative around melanin-rich skin. Um, but, but, but people still have a lot of sensitivity and a lot of pain points um, around these type of issues. So I, I would say in a, in a general sense, um, it's just important to listen. It's important to care. It's important to be engaged with people. It's important to know whether that person is, you know, South Asian or East Asian or Caribbean or, or African-American or where, whatever, to understand a little bit about her culture, like get into her a little bit where you have an understanding and that you just don't go and step in it, but that you're yes. getting some understanding about what's going to feel good for her. Because at the end of the day, we all want to feel good when we put our products on. You know, from exactly. the, the shade match to the shade name, right? So it, it's it's about caring for me at the end of the day. It's about caring. It is. It is. No, absolutely. A hundred percent it's about caring. And you know, honestly, here, you know, I'll 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 even tell you, you know, one day I got into this argument because it was a very racially charged argument, okay? And I, mm-hmm. I it triggered me a lot. And this is something I really want to discuss on air because triggers are real, okay? There are yes. people, especially Black women and men of this this country specifically, are dealing with yes. generational trauma, okay? Absolutely. Of generations worth of trauma. So when they get mad, you can't look at them and say, well, why are you getting so upset over something so small? Why? Because you right. just triggered something psychologically. And this is something that I think people need to understand because I had gotten into an argument with this, uh, this woman once and she you know, she was like, well, Ecta, and I, and I didn't curse at her, but I, I, I got a little loud, you know, I'm not gonna lie, I got a little loud, <laughs> and you know, and, and I, and I was like, you know, very upset, you know, it genuinely upset me, and so I right. got a little loud, and she was like, well, no one has ever spoken to me like this before, and this, this woman was, mind you, Caucasian, and, and, you know, mm-hmm. I, and I looked at her, and I paused, and I said, well, now someone has, so hopefully you won't do this again, you know, and it was like the only thing I could come up with because I'm sitting here and I'm like, what makes you feel like you're so above being talked right. to like that right. when you right. are talking about a topic that is triggering me? So imagine how a black woman or a black man or someone who's really dealt with it even worse is going to feel if you say the same thing you just said to me to them. Just think right. about that. You know what right. I'm saying? And that's what really, for me, like, I think people need to understand that the idea of no one's overreacting, you know, when they get upset right. over a name exactly. or like a word, they are right. being triggered and we have yes. to remove those triggers. That's the number one rule in psychiatry. If you go to yes. any psychiatrist, they're going to tell you, you know, remove the things around you that trigger you. And as a beauty right. industry, as a beauty culture, we have to be good to our people and our customers and our employees and we have to remove those triggers you know what I'm saying that that was my point yeah because we're we're in the industry of personal products personal is the first word yeah and so if if you know and, and it comes back to what I said before about caring if you care then understand number one you are not going to know everything you've not walked in other people's shoes and so coming back to the work um that 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 I've I've absolutely enjoyed doing with CEW and back to the research that got done 
um, you know, uh, in, in preparation for, for the, the, the forum that we did a few months ago. Yes. It's oh like, my gosh. I've been wanting to talk it, to you about that on September 30th. Woo, you guys had that amazing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It was unbelievable to actually be able to gain quantitative and qualitative data that supports these kind of anecdotal things that number one, I knew, you know, I, I, I've been black my whole life. So I've known in the industry, outside of the industry, when they've been microaggressions, when people have said things that are inappropriate, when, you know, like this woman, you said, when there's a certain arrogance about people's tones that dismiss my experience, like I've known that and I've known my peers to experience that, but to now have it on paper documented so that people can really look at it and go, oh my goodness, wait a minute, this isn't just that so-and-so is sensitive or so-and-so, yeah. you know, uh, is, is taking things out of, you know, blowing things out of proportion. No, you've got a group of people who are saying, wait a minute, this is pretty much what happens on the regular. You just are unfamiliar with it because you're not walking in those shoes to even see it. And so yes. that has been absolutely validating and incredible and and something that that I think you know every industry if they were to do that type of research would find very similar stories because this this is this is what's real I'll never forget um having a very very wonderful well-meaning boss say to me one time and she was white um she said Karen you're so articulate oh my god yeah And she really thought she was giving me a compliment. And I was like, really? I was like, now, if I looked different, knowing that I went to college, I'm a professional person, I've been working in this industry in a directorial role for quite some time, would you have expected me to be anything other than articulate? So, so clearly you've shown me that your expectation of me from a hierarchy standpoint was lower because mm-hmm. of my skin. You know, you literally you ha- just, Karen. I'm not gonna. I'm not trying to interrupt you, but you literally Go just summed it. up the the series, the slogan of my other podcast is literally called "White Collar Brown Girl," and my slogan Ooh. is "Just because I talk, like just because I sound educated, doesn't mean I'm a white girl." That's literally what I have as my slogan because what you just said, because of what exactly what you just said, because I deal, I have dealt with the same thing. People being like, oh, well, you talk like you're white. Oh, you mean I sound educated? Oh, that's because I am. Ooh, right. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> By the way, because I'm going to you, you have to come on that podcast too. We need to ha- like have that whole thing. Because <laughs> that one sounds good too. I am happy yeah, to come th- on there. Because I think it's, it's and it's so important. And I, I, I'm hoping that really diverse audiences listen to your podcasts around these because that is so much firsthand information that would help somebody else to get a lived experience understanding of what this conversation is all about. Like, you don't, you you know, the books are great. It's great. Read all the books, but listen, when someone like yourself creates a forum and a platform for people to really hear the real deal about what's going on in the inside, that's like gold. So I hope people are eating up all of these things that you're doing um, to give kind of this cultural awareness, because this is important. This is important to, because to ignore this, then we have nothing more than, like you said, those tick off the boxes, little things like, oh, look at us. We did all the shades. Aren't we fabulous? You know, we, we don't move beyond that if we don't stop for a moment and listen to people's actual experiences and take off the hat of arrogance, you know, and just open your ears and say, oh, my goodness, I didn't know. 
Exactly. 100%. 100%. And you know what, I want to actually take a second to quote you because I know that um, Women's Wear Daily did a wonderful feature on the event that uh, CEW um, Mm -hmm. hosted on the 30th and and that you were quoted as saying that you really, um, you, you wanted the focal point to be that you wanted to create an even playing field for everyone in this industry. And I love that the wording that you used, I love that you said that. And I really want you to take a second and elaborate on that quote and tell us what, in your mind, what you see as an even playing field. Like, what does that really mean? Definitely. Um, You know, I think there's a difference between um, equality and equity. And, uh, you know, we we can kind of, our, our society can oftentimes look at uh, certain persons or experiences and go, oh, well, look, now everything's okay now. Look, we've had a black president in America or look, look, we, we've got VPs and we've got CEOs and we've got doctors like yourself. We've got these shining examples of uh, success of people of color. So we're good. You know, the society's changed. We've moved on. That is not truthful because underneath Uh, all of those experiences, when you talk to people and see what they've had to go through to get there, to see, you know, and I I don't know if this was something that was stated in your household, but most Black people I know have heard that you've got to be twice as good. Sometimes you get half as far. Yes. And like, like, don't, don't, don't have a, uh, a typo on anything, you, you know, make sure you don't, you know, slip and, 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 and keep your, um, your code switching correct so that every, your diction is perfect at every given moment and all that stuff, because there's a microscope that many of us are under in this industry that really isn't fair. You know, I've looked at people, you know, even, and we won't get into politics, but you know, you even look at certain situations and go, well, that person really operates like very much a C student (laughs) <laughs> who really yeah. didn't have like a whole lot going on for them as far as insight, intellect, etc. But look, how did they get in that role? And then yeah. when you look at the expectations of folk of color, it's like the bar is set so high. And then oftentimes you've also got to carry the weight of your whole race or ethnicity with you because you might be the only one in that space. And now you've got to carry that around and everyone's looking at you or even after you know all of the the racial uprisings that took place like a lot of times the particularly black people were like oh well lisa tell us about it how do you feel how's everybody feeling how are black people doing like there's a lot of weight attached to being either the only or one of the few and so you know when i made that statement what i really meant is that it's you know I, i want you know, that young black woman, that young version of Karen to be able to come into this industry or any industry and not have the heavy coat of armor that I might've had to have or, or, or some of my colleagues have had um, of, 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 of all of the expectations and the microaggressions and all of that and just be able to come in and be great. Just yes. be able to come in and do her job and be wonderful at what she does without the extra added pressure of, are they going to think I'm stupid? Or because that one likes kale and I like collard greens, are they judging me? Or, you yeah. know, whatever the case yeah. may be, because we know that that, that organizations and workplaces, et cetera, um, they have a culture attached to them. 
and there's a, there's 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 a difficulty sometimes like you and I talked about just a moment ago like having to get used to that culture and go okay how do I fit in and and the constant thought process that that sometimes we have to go through to make sure we fit in and how are we wording things and how are we doing you know and that's a lot so how do you even have the the, the capacity and the mental energy to just be great at what you do if you're yeah. a great chemist I remember uh, you know somebody I know in the industry where I, when I was uh, working on writing a piece for the makeup museum they wrote a beautiful book and I wrote a chapter for them and I interviewed um, someone I knew in the industry who's an amazing amazingly innovative uh, uh, chemist who happens to be black and she said Karen you know one of my first jobs I went into one of these big cosmetic firms and I interviewed for the job and I had a master's degree in chemistry I'm going to you know I'm passionate about this eager to try to get in there and interview for the job and the HR person or whomever was like, oh, well, you know, we actually, we have a front desk position in as an administrative assistant. And she knew that there was a job with her name on it. And that's what she had come to interview for. And that's the direction they pushed her in because in their, that person's mind, that's what they saw her as capable of. And so when I talk about a level playing field, it's that folk need to do the work. So if they're walking around with unconscious biases around who they think can be great and who they think maybe can just be exceptional within their race, then that needs to all be obliterated. And we need to start looking at each other's people, trusting each other's talents, looking at each other's cultures as being all beautiful things to be celebrated. And, 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 and let's make sure that, that, that what the next generation um, encounters isn't with those of us who have had to come up the rough side of the mountain, what we had to deal with. And so that's, that's why I made that statement. I love that. I really love that. And there were so many points in your explanation where I was just like, literally like waving my hands around, if you could see me, because I was like, oh my God, this is the one person on the planet that understands. Like I really genuinely, I resonate and I, 100% agree with everything that you've said and honestly I, I want to just say this because well why not you know I I have a story to tell you and it, it's quick but like one day I remember and I remember this very clearly even though I was pretty uh, inebriated but um uh, I was at a bar in Florida and um you know Florida is very it's very split you know there's a lot of racism down there and and you know there's a lot of really great people but there's a lot of ignorant people as well and so we had gone to a bar um you know my fiance and I and um he is of color as well and then um and I had seen this one waitress she was a blonde young lady who was um you know she was just like there were a lot of them there but she was in charge of maybe three tables I think not even mm -hmm. and there was one there were two of us the two of the tables were um they had people of color sitting at them mm -hmm. tell me why this girl spent 98% of her time at the white people's table. So when she came mm -hmm. over to our table, finally, after like 30 minutes of waiting for just a glass of water, I looked at her and I remember like my fiance was just like, like, oh my God, I can't believe you're doing this. But I looked at her and I was like, let me ask you something. Um, what is your life goal? And she was yeah. like, I, I don't know what you mean. I'm like, I was like, look in the mirror. You are a white, blonde, blue eyed young woman in America, in the South. And I want you to tell me, what's your life goal? Is, is being a waitress what you do for the rest of your life? And I made her feel for a second what all of us feel like. 
and and I wow. and I'm not saying go do this, okay? I'm not saying that. Right. I'm just saying that I'm a very I'm very uh, you know, into like just one of those people mm-hmm. that just speaks my mind. So I did it, you know. But what I'm trying to the point I'm trying to make is this label of or this uh, predisposed, you know, thought process that we tend to have about what people are and where they belong and where they should fit in. It's got to go. Yeah. It's got to go. Yeah. You know, this yeah. is, this is done. It, it's, it's too, we are too far along in human evolution to be dealing yes. with this at this point, you know, and I really think, and I'm honestly going to say this on air. So I hope all the psychiatrists, if anyone's listening, the DSM five, it needs to be altered because racism needs to be put in there as a mental condition at this point. I agree. Because there, there's something really wrong with people who are truly racist. They're genuinely mentally, it's a, it's a disorder and we have to treat it as such. I mean, it, it just, it, it needs to end. And so, you know, I just wanted to say that because I, like I said, I speak my mind and I, and I, I just think that, you know, people need to have these conversations and the conversation you and I have had today is probably the most honest, transparent and real and, you know, just constructive conversation I've had like on this podcast I genuinely mean that wow. like this has been so lovely hosting you ah oh, it, it it is has absolutely been my pleasure and the last statement that you made about classifying racism as mental illness I think is absolutely brilliant because there's one thing to just be ignorant and not know there's another thing to really be immersed in a lifestyle and a mindset of, I want to discriminate against other people willfully. And I want to create a hierarchy in my life where I see myself as above other people. And to, and to do that with conscious intent, uh, there, there's just, that's a soul level sickness from, from, from my perspective. And so the, the, the good thing, the thing that keeps me going and keeps me passionate about the work that I'm doing is that Thank goodness, I don't believe most people fall into that category. I think there are a lot of people who don't know. It's kind of like this. It's like a fish that lives in water doesn't know that it's wet, right? Yeah. So that's yeah. that's what I that's that's kind of the analogy that I keep around people who really have no clue because they've just been swimming along and have no idea that they are wet. And, um, and so I look at my personal job is to, I'm here to educate, I'm here to inform, I'm here to inspire, I'm here to be honest. And if people want to engage with that and want to learn, I'm here for it. If they have a willful uh, or making willful decisions to just stay where they are and discriminate against others, then I don't know what to say because I'm not a mental health professional and I don't know how to get you unstuck from that. So I so appreciate that you framed it in that way because I think it's really important to look at it as that serious because it is. It is. It is. No, it is that serious. It is that serious. You have have literally people, young, you are literally, um, and I'm going to be very, very, very transparent here and say this to the audience. We have a situation on our hands at this point where a specific race of men is literally undergoing genocide, if you really think about it, okay? Mm. Black males are being killed disproportionately compared to any other race or gender anywhere 
in this country. That is a serious problem, okay? There are so many real things going on in this world. And if you're choosing to just turn a blind eye or just check off some boxes or just pretend like you've got that token, you know, uh, per, you know, girl of color on your team and that makes you inclusive, well, then you can, you really need to reevaluate because this is, this is a problem. And at the end of the day, you know, Karen, I personally, this is my personal viewpoint. Um, you know, I think that because there has been this, the aggression that we've seen towards our, you know, our, population and our, our community of colored, you know, individuals has mm-hmm. been this almost like, you know, uh, just aggressive and just, you know, no buts and if nothing. So we need to take the same approach with trying to eradicate this racist um, mentality in our work and say, say, no, I'm not taking your pseudo answer as an, you know, exception, <laughs> accepted answer. You either get it or you don't. And if you don't get it, there's the door walk out because I can replace you with somebody who's going to get it. And I think if we have that firmness more so when we're hiring people and when we're putting people yes. in these positions of power, that firmness is really what's going to make the point. And I, and I really urge the brands listening if there's any executives like do be firm you know what I mean stand your ground don't hire the person that's just checking off boxes hire the person who really gets it because that's how change happens so yeah I mean I I don't want to keep ranting but Karen you're phenomenal and I really wish I could clone you and put you in a corner everywhere seriously because we need more people like you really well, thank you. And I'm not going anywhere. Um, this is, this is you know, uh, sometimes uh, uh, life calls us to do certain things. Um, and I didn't know as a 14, 15 year old kid, how my own, uh, my own personal insights about beauty and how I felt about myself would eventually become something that, uh, that, that catapulted me into being in a position to bring awareness and, 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 and bring this kind of conversation out into the open so that we can have some healing and have some growth. But it is, it is absolutely my pleasure. And I am here for continuing the, the conversation in, in any ways that I'm invited to do so. So I oh really gosh, very much appreciate invited. you. You are all listening to energy. Consider it your home. This is your podcast. Uh, you come whenever you have time. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm, I'm telling everybody out there. If she's got time, I'm scheduling time on her calendar because honestly, I could talk to you for years, and I would love for you to also come on to the other podcast that I mentioned. And and I, I think this conversation it needs to be had every day somebody somewhere needs to have this we got to talk you guys you know keep this conversation going make some uh leave some comments some feedback if you don't want to do that hey just you know personal message me or karen or whoever you can get in touch with that gets it you know what i mean just like keep it going like we gotta this that's the biggest problem with these conversations is people have them and then no one continues it so please i urge all of you really take heed to everything karen has said and really give an insight into and just think on it and and you know have some actions to back up those thoughts so thank you Karen this has been so so wonderful you are very welcome it's been my pleasure